Welcome to Radio TFS, episode number 41. Hi, my name is Martin Woodward. And I'm Greg Duncan. Well, welcome everybody. Sorry there hasn't been an episode for a, a few weeks. We did actually, uh, we, we did record an episode, I promise. Um, but uh, sadly, it got eaten just as we were closing. My, uh, my the, the application I used for recording uh, um, crashed and then uh, we lost the episode, unfortunately. So sorry about that. Um, we'll, uh, we'll make sure we cover those stories today in this show. And so uh, first up, uh, Greg, uh, just after we, uh, as we were recording, um, Jason Zander announced at Dev Connections uh, the uh, Visual Studio Ultimate Roadmap. Did you see that? Yeah, I sure did. So what did you think about that? Yeah, basically what he was saying, just to recap, is um, you know we've we've obviously announced um, you know, we we did the beta and things, and what mm-hmm. Jason was wanting to explain to everyone is um, we don't we don't want to make it be you know if you uh, the difference between releases to be measured in years anymore mm-hmm. um, we want to get um, new functionality and features out there to people um, as frequently as we can be a lot more agile in how we mm-hmm. actually deliver features to people so we kind of do that already um, with the team foundation service preview that that's right. been a great example of how we're, we're we're giving a version of tfs that's keeping up you know it's always less than three weeks old it's you know the very latest server bits it's it's a well in advance of the um the beta release that you know that people can download and install on premises it's you know it's much more up to date we need to figure out how to do that um, with our products that people install on their machines and install on premises as well. And this Visual Studio Ultimate Roadmap is uh, kind of explains how we're going to do that for Visual Studio. Um, and it'll basically, we're going to, we're building in functionality to enable us to update Visual Studio more often um, and provide, you know, updates quite frequently. In the past, we've had this notion of feature packs mm-hmm. and we've had, there's, there's power tools and these feature packs. <laughs> right. And, You've had uh, the, the power tools, the feature packs, the service packs, the, yeah. all of those. Yeah. It's quite complicated. So what will um, – yeah, the, the power tools are basically features that we, you know, that we add on, and we're not promising – they're kind of experimental. We're not right. promising they'll ever end up in the product, though a lot of them have, for instance, um, the check for comments, check-in policy – um, right was a power tool in uh, up until recently and now it's in the product in uh, visual studio 11 yeah and visual studio 11 has a bunch of the other power tools from uh, 2012 like the new the the quick search you know the find feature and the solution browser and a lot of the power tools have, have made it forward that's really pretty neat yeah the work item search power tool um that was actually the story behind how that was developed we actually developed started developing it um in visual studio you know 11 and team foundation server 11 uh, in in that sort of branch um Mm -hmm. and we had a bit of things with the syntax and we wanted to kind of play with some of the features in it and we had work item search already in the um you know the eclipse uh, client so we thought it would be cool to actually stick it in as a power tool get some feedback as to how people were using it and what people thought and if there were features that needed missing and things because that's something we could easily add on you know into, mm-hmm. into visual studio 2010 so we did that as a power tool got the feedback from it and then was able to use the feedback from shipping it as a power tool to improve the version that we're shipping in the box in visual studio nice. 
So yeah, it's they're quite good. So that's power tools, and you know, there's some things that haven't quite made it out of power tools yet. For example, um, the process template editor. Uh, that's mm power tool the the shell extensions we're still iterating over that quite quickly um and there's a bit less quality that goes on with a power tool like we don't localize power tools and those sorts of things we don't do um those sorts of testing so they're power tools right feature packs however we're kind of we're committing that they're going to make it into the product um that's the idea of them anyway so we we add the feature pack in and that's new features we're adding to the product as we as we in between major release milestones if you like mm-hmm. uh, we're going to add it add it to the product and the the idea is that it'll actually be in the box you know in the next version but you don't have to wait for the next version to get the benefits of that feature so that's what Jason was kind of talking about and our plans to have a regular cadence of, of shipping feature packs into Visual Studio um, so that Visual Studio Ultimate subscribers will be able to um, get all these features landing as, as we build them, which is quite cool. What were the first couple feature packs? Yeah, the first mentioned? one he mentioned was around the um, SharePoint development um, and also plugging that in with IntelliTrace. Um, mm-hmm. SharePoint development we see more and more of you know SharePoint is just this explosive technology um, and being able to support SharePoint developers in a true ALM cycle is something right. we want to improve on and, and <laughs> we'll work on so that's the right. first kind of feature pack um, and then the next one he was talking about was we already announced um, some some of our story around integ- integration into what we call DevOps you know some mm-hmm. develop- um integration into uh, system center so that you can easily uh, collect bugs back um from production you know when when there's an issue in the production environment easily collect the data about that issue that's happening live in production and package it all up into a bug or you know into a work item uh, an actionable work item that then is being pushed back into TFS so we announced that a while ago um in a beta um and then uh, Jason actually he's actually just blogged a bit more information on the the System Center 2012 um cool. integration uh, that was announced this week over at the uh, Microsoft Management Summit um, mm-hmm. So if you go to so the first thing is tinyurl slash vs ultimate roadmap, which talks about you know the roadmap and these these feature pack releases and things, and then if you head on over to um, tinyurl.com slash tfs system center, you can learn um, all about the the system center integration that we announced this week and um, how that's all going to work. And you know he's got some good screenshots in there showing you how it how it all connects the two sort of thing. So hopefully that makes some sense. Yeah, DevOps, you know, it's like dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. (laughs) (laughs) We've been learning a lot about this space just because we've had to in running the Team Foundation service um, and being a lot more agile in terms of, uh, you know, pushing value out to people quicker um, and doing the, the, the iteration loops between you know, getting stuff out into production and then back from production into dev. And, you know, it, it's been really interesting. It's so much so that the actual, the, the team that were, the team that were running the TFS site, well, it's right. still the same team. They used to be, um, they used to be kind of part of the Azure team, you know, because mm-hmm. they were, it's all hosted on Azure. They've actually now part of our team and you know in, in, uh, even though they're still in the same org and still kind of sit where they still sat but they are they have a you know 
they report to Brian Harry. They're part of TFS group. And um, just to make them closer, part of the same family, just in recognition of that, really, I guess. So hmm. it's been interesting. So uh, speaking of the Team Foundation service, um, Brian Harry also announced um, that this, you know, this was something we covered in the, the, the Lost show, but we spoke <laughs> about it. Um, if, if you've got Team Foundation service preview accounts, you may well have already uh, seen this, but we've actually enabled the build service in the Team Foundation service. So have, have you seen that yet, Greg? I have not played with that yet. I've oh. seen the, the post on it, but I haven't been able to play with it much, but, you know, been watching it and following it and, and yeah. the idea it's always something that i wanted on codeplex but i can really kind of see it making more sense here in what will you know potentially be a uh, you know a commercial product just the ramp up that it would take you know the idea of having these uh vms spin up on the fly and, and have them all pre-configured and you know putting your stuff on there and, and getting all the source code uh, what it is. sounds cool but what's the downside of doing yeah just this? step back and explain what it is it's basically um a it's a build agent in the cloud for you so it's um it's if you go to so brian's post is at tinyurl.com slash hello tfs build and if you want to dig into more detail if you go to tinyurl.com slash tfs tf service build you'll see um a post from aaron bjork that dives into a bit more detail on the build service but basically um rather than setting up a build control or what you had to do with the team foundation service preview up until now to do builds was you had to have a machine locally which you set up as a as a build controller and connect that to your TFS account, you know, Team Foundation Service Preview account, which is fine and works great. However, you know, you don't really want to do that. I just want one of your build agents, please, Mr. Microsoft. So what we need <laughs> from a user experience point of view, when you have a Team Foundation Service Preview account, you know, in the bit where you go to the builds and you say, create me a new build definition, mm-hmm. you, everybody now has, when you go in there and say, create me a new build definition, one of the options available for your build controller is hosted build controller and it's switched on by default and you don't get that error message pop up before that said i need a build controller before i can create right. a build. there's one there for you and that's our build controller um and behind the scenes what's actually happening is and um, we have a big pool of virtual machine images well big pool of virtual machines actually um and and based on a, a single virtual machine image that um you say, hey, I would like a build agent, please. And it takes a virtual machine image, spins it up as a machine, um, runs it in Azure, connects it to your team project collection. You then run a build um, and it does all the build stuff and then it tears down the virtual machine and you know cleans it up ready to be used again. So um, it allows you to run builds in the cloud without needing any infrastructure at all, which is cool. You know, it, That's it, very cool. The the downside is it the 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 is you need to you because it's this you know it's a standard VM image for doing build. Right. Um, it only has the stuff on it that's on that image. So you know it's a standard uh, Windows Server operating system. It's um, you know has Visual Studio uh, 11 beta and Visual Studio 2010 installed. Mm-hmm. Uh, it um, it doesn't. But no third party ISV components or or anything like that. Nothing's gacked or. Yeah, exactly. Nothing extra is gacked, yeah. Yeah, like, you know, things like um, Telerik or uh, Infragistic, you know, those components, they sometimes have, as well as having them installed and gacked, you also have to have, like, licenses installed on them. Right. 
or say code signing certificates, you know, they're not going to be installed on there for you already, that sort of thing. So anything that comes along with your build, that's not like Visual Studio or Visual Studio 11 or .NET mm-hmm. Framework, you have to bring it with you as part of your build. It has to be something that can be checked into source control. Right. And, um, available and can be ran as part of you know the source tree when it when it does a get um and then you actually um you know do the builds and then speaking of source control when the build drops are finished previously it would have put them onto a windows file share obviously Mm -hmm. accessing windows file shares over the internet's you know (laughs) um, and presents you know security challenges so instead of that we we just check those file the binary you know the results the drops we check those into a folder um, in version control. And that has right. some implications around, uh, which we'll talk about actually in a second, around you know um, how you want to set up your workspaces and how you want to set up your, um, working, your working folder mappings for your build definitions and things like that. So let's talk about that in a sec. Okay. Um, but the, you, you, know, you may have to make sure you check stuff into source control that you actually want to be part of the build. I actually like that. I think that's a good thing because it's right. it makes it forces you to make build machines a completely replaceable thing um, and have everything version that that makes up your build, which makes you know you you, you know you're going to be able to have repeatable builds by doing this. So I, I'm a big fan. It's just there's some things which you know currently today there are technical challenges around getting running as part of the build, like you know third party controls and stuff so um but in terms of performance it's amazing because it's in the same you know it's in the same data center as your team foundation service uh instance the right. azure data centers are just insanely fast connectivity between boxes um and you can you do a, a like a um so, so for, for doing a build of say Team Explorer Everywhere, which which contains some Java components in and things like that, and I need to copy over a JDK, I need to copy over the build extensions, uh, I need to copy over an instance of Eclipse and all sorts of stuff from my source control tree over onto the build server, mm-hmm. and it doesn't add any time <laughs> into the uh, into the build process because the build is actually sat right next to the application tier. It's just insane, um, and so. Some of the concerns I did have about having to get a lot more stuff now, they mm-hmm. may because because it's right next to the build, you know, where it's right next to the server, so it's super fast. However, um, you do have the you know the side effect that you do have to have a firm checked in. Right. Now that reminds me, we, did, we didn't mention this in prep, but uh, uh, there is a story that I saw this week, and it totally jives with that. And that uh, there is a I'll, we'll put this in the show notes, but the title is "Don't Push Binaries to Source Control." Use NuGet wisely instead. And this uh, post talks about instead of checking in all your binaries, if if they're already a NuGet, you can build a um, pre-build event that executes NuGet. So the one binary you do put in is NuGet.exe, but from that point, you can use NuGet in the command line uh, to refresh all your packages and get all those packages down. So if you're already using NuGet and you want to use this uh, uh, Team Foundation service, uh, Team Foundation yeah, service build capability, but you don't want to check all your libraries and all that good kind of stuff in, you can use NuGet in the pre-build, and it will go out and get all those things for you. Yep. And the, t- the so, TFS, the new getter project, is one we've covered before. 
Right. Um, that's a good way. But if you, um, we are doing some work with NuGet. I'm not sure exactly how much of that is in the Team Foundation Service Preview yet. But that's definitely, mm-hmm. you know, a recommended route for um, for getting hold of uh, .NET dependencies and things that you need as part. You know, if you need the latest copy of a of a dependent library as part of your build, then NuGet is the way forward for sure. Very good. Now you know what I I I, I have to Karen, vent. I, I wanted to before you vent. I just oh. to uh, <laughs> to be on the version control stuff in T. Oh, okay. Yeah. So um, when you so the the drops are checked into version control, which is generally something I'm not a huge fan of doing in general, mm-hmm. uh, because drops aren't versions. You know what I mean? That that have, you have a separate folder for each drop. And it's not something that ever changes over time once you've checked it in. So normally, I don't like checking those sorts of things into version control. But we needed a, we needed somewhere to put them to make them easily accessible to you, you know, it, for, via the cloud. And so that was the way we went. We check them in. Because they're in there and they're in version control, you need to make sure you um, set your working folder mappings up so that when you do a get from TFS, that the drop folder is cloaked or isn't included in your working folder mappings, you know, for the workspace. Because you don't right. want to download every single build from a right, right. You only want to get the ones you want. So make sure you either have that drops folder cloaked or um, even better, just have your working folder mapping set up so it's not even in there. You know, you probably want you probably want to when the old guidance that we all that I always gave of um, creating a main folder, turning it into a branch, and then putting your source into it. Mm-hmm. That's that stands you in even better stead because. <laughs> What you would then do is it, it's the main folder that you have mapped. Your builds go in, put them into a folder called drops that's at the same level as main. You know, so you have team project main and then you right. have project slash drops. And that's where the drops go. Um, and then that way they're never included because, you know, you don't, you, you normally pull down a, a copy of a branch. You don't pull down like the the team project, the root of your tree. So, um, yeah, so that, that's the way I would configure it. And then also in your build definitions, it, 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 it kind of tries to do this to help you, but make sure when you're setting up your build definitions that your build definition workspace mapping doesn't, isn't just dollar slash team project, but it's dollar slash team project slash main slash, you know, the solution you want to build. Um, and that way you won't, you're only getting the things you want to get. You're not also getting, you know, the 15 binary drops of the build that you've yeah. in source control. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When the retention policy comes up and it deletes old builds, it um, it destroys those binary files out of source control. So they've gone and they're gone from the database. So we're not taking up room, you know, in there. They've gone when you when when the retention policy comes up and the build gets deleted. So right. it, it's fine. It was a compromise that we did to, you know, to have somewhere to store them that people could easily get hold of. And, and hmm. So there we go. Now you're going to have a, what are you going to rant about? Yeah, I was going to rant, going to do a great rant on uh, TFS versus TFS. <laughs> there, there's something about Microsoft, you know, sometimes I, I, I swear, you, you, not you guys, not you as in you, Martin, but you as in Microsoft, you know, you're, you're the Microsoft representative, so I get to pick on you. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes the marketing and the stuff, you guys get it right on. You know, the, the new Windows 8 SKUs that were announced uh, this past week, you know, uh, whereas, you know, we now have two primary Windows 8 SKUs, Windows 8, Windows 8 Pro. Awesome. You know, that's kind of cool. 
And then something silly happens, like the new WOA name. That's a whole other rant. You know, Windows RT is not Windows Runtime. It's Windows on ARM. It's now called Windows RT. Again, another rant. This rant is about TFS versus TFS, Team Foundation System versus Team Foundation Service. It's actually Team Foundation Server and Team Foundation Service. Anyway, no more. Why do I call it System? (laughs) Well, that's even worse than Server and Service. Uh Um, How could I not know what TFS? Uh, Anyway, it's early. You know, I kind of like that the acronyms didn't change. You know, that makes Radio TFS work really well. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, trying to explain it to, you know, Upper management, oh, we're using TFS. Okay, what TFS? Are you using server or service? Is this on-premises or, or, or off? Is it, you know, it, it's just, I, I don't know. Uh, you know, a typical whiner, typical ranter. I'm not sure where it's good, where it's bad, but it does, it, there is some confusion. There's, I'm going to see confusion. Heck, I get confused with it. You know, what's server, what's service? And what's the difference between the two? And then you get the OCD guys at work are going to be, you know, somebody's going to call it service, and you're going to say, no, this is on in our house, so it's server. And okay. I, don't know. I hear you. And I would say that it's um, well, first of all, Team Foundation, the Team Foundation service is um, it is the same product as Team Foundation server. It's the same code base that's just running in Azure. So you know, it, there was there was some reason for making them similarly named. But I would mm-hmm. say it's not called the Team Foundation. It's called the Team Foundation Service Preview, and right. um, it's still a beta and it's still a beta name. Um, and so the the trick with um, Microsoft products is to give your um, the 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 cooler your code name is, the <laughs> yeah. sookier your, your end up your final name is. Yeah. So uh, by giving it a really uh, by giving it a slightly um, sooky code name, then right. you can guarantee that we'll have a cooler final product name. So yeah, that's well, I say guarantee. I say we can. Hope. <laughs> <laughs> and and you know I would whine just as much as if if you had, if Microsoft had called it Team Foundation Server Service. Oh, yeah. I would whine about that too. Okay. So, <laughs> so, so I guess uh, we'll call. Yeah, we'll call it TFSP. Yeah. You know, that way it's TFS and TFSP and then it's quite it's the same. So yeah, yeah. no, it, it it is confusing, I'll give you that at the minute. And um yeah, you know, it's still a, it's still in it's still in preview mode, it's still a beta, and I'm sure we'll uh we haven't announced final branding on these sorts of things yet. But I can't see us going with um a live URL of tfspreview.com, you know, like yeah, sends no. the wrong message. So we'll we'll see what it ends up being. I I have uh Close to zero impact on that stuff, unfortunately. Uh-huh. unfortunately. The only impact I ever have anything over is um, the, 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 the Team Explorer Everywhere naming. And that was, there's some good stories to be had there, which we'll, I'll, I'll discuss with it, with folks sometime, you know, the history <laughs> of that naming, because, you know, that was, that was good fun. But uh, anyway, yeah, so we'll fix it. I'm sure we'll, uh, we'll listen to your rant. How about that, Greg? <laughs> Just speak. Okay. So any actual news rather than ranting? Yeah, really. Oh, thanks. <laughs> uh, a couple of posts that I, that I found uh, this past week. Uh, you know, I'm a really big fan of uh, leveraging other people's learnings. You know, I, I love webcasts, especially when they're free. Um, and especially when there's a new product coming out, there's sometimes when reading stuff is faster and easier, but there's sometimes just in seeing it, you know, reading about it and seeing it in action are, are, are just two different things. So, uh, uh, Stephen Lange, 
L A N G E. Yeah, I've always uh, Stephen Lang. I have no idea if it's Lang. If you pronounce it, yeah. there you go. Yeah, he uh, announced a, a series of Microsoft event um, webcasts, and you can get that uh, Stephen's post at tinyurltfscasts. That's C A S T S. And he talks about these. Uh, VS11 casts. And if you go through the actual uh, Microsoft events page, there's a series of casts almost every weekday from now until June 28th. And what I really, really liked about these was that it's not just Microsoft doing it. It's actually Microsoft isn't doing this. They looks like they've engaged with a series of or a group of some of the big names in Microsoft training Imagine it, Northwest Cadence, um, InCycle Software, uh, Nudesic, and have them do all of these presentations. All of these are free, and, and they cover pretty much just about everything you ever wanted to know about VS11 as it's known today, from you know introductions to uh, Microsoft Test Management to cross-platform development. Yeah, just looking, to, they're doing the they're doing a cross-platform one today as we're recording. That's great. Yeah, Imagine yeah. That. You, you know, I didn't even know that was happening. Yeah, collecting the feedback, deployment automation. Yeah, it's just and what's really nice is that they don't overlap in, in days. So you can, if you want to, you can attend every single one of these. You're not picking one from Imaginet versus one from you know Northwest Cadence, and I think that's this is great. You know, so yeah, I really I like that, and allows people to pick and choose, cherry pick which ones they like, and they're always on demand as well. So if you miss these and want to go back to them. They're there. So fantastic. Good stuff. Yeah, I love that. And the the next thing that came up was um projects that I've been watching for forever. You know, I, I've talked about the ALM Rangers before, uh, you know, some of my favorite AM ALM guys. And they just released the uh server branching and merging guide v2 for Visual Studio eleven. And uh you can get that at tiny URL TFS branch guide v2. And you know, the best thing about these is they release one page cheat sheets hmm. with, you know, branching pictures and they go from basic to advanced branching guides to uh, uh, standard ones, you know, including when you start with a main branch and go to a dev branch and a service path branch, or you want to go with um, other schemes, uh, even one on a terminology when you're trying to explain that to your senior management what does branch mean or what is this subversion thing or uh, that's there as well and then they back it all up with a uh, a much longer guide in going into detail on how you do these things and you know all too often man i am totally seeing everybody kind of reinventing the wheel how are we going to do branch well you know i don't know we'll try this and we'll try this and you evolve into something it's rarely deterministic and it's you know rarely something built off of you know in-depth knowledge of the product itself because most line of business people we want to build our business apps we don't want to learn you know all the ins and outs of team foundation server. We just want to use it to get the job done. Mm, you just want a set of patterns that you're going to be successful going that way. Yeah. Exactly. You know, why do we have to relearn the wheel when somebody's already learned it for us? Just give us not necessarily one way to do it for everyone, but 
a series of options, some ideas. And that's what I really liked about that. It's not a, everybody must do it this way. It's a, here's, here's a couple different ways that mm-hmm. you might think about doing it. And that way you're not starting from, you know, the start line. Yeah. You're not starting from ground zero. You actually have a leg up. Now these guys are beta at this point, just like VS 11 is still beta. Um, they're looking for feedback from everybody. Um, there is a, uh, there is still work to be done. Like the, the how do I videos are, are still being worked on, uh, but they're there. And, you know, if you're looking at VS 11, if you're thinking about changing your branching uh, and merging guides, and by the way, you know, there are uh, other guides here for VS 10, uh, you know, and there's even ones from before that. So, you know, I, I would encourage you if you're looking at, if you're rethinking your branching, if you're thinking about changing it with VS 11, if you're just not happy with your branching and merging, just check these out. They're not, uh, you know, doorstop, you know, length kind of PDFs. Uh, and they're built off of people who are actually very passionate about Visual Studio, ALM, and TFS. Uh, and, they're, and they're not all, you know, the ALM majors are aren't all Microsofties. These are guys from out in the field. Most of them, almost all of them are people out in the field. Mm-hmm. So these aren't just academic. Uh, yeah, these people actually use it. the thing. <laughs> exactly. You know, so. Yeah, I love these guys. And we should actually, we should get a couple of them on and do a whole show about uh, branching and merging best practice and stuff. Cause it's one of the things I often get asked a lot of questions about when I'm at events and things. So mm-hmm. but the thing I would say is that there's, like like you say, there's some best practices and there's some patterns you can use, like a set of basic recipes with branching that you can mm-hmm. then, you know, put together into your into your particular meal. You don't have to, you know, you, you don't have to follow a particular path exactly, but, um, right. you know, it gives you some good guidance as to here's a particular recipe you can use. This is when you would use it. This is what it's good for. And the key bit of advice as well is that, don't just branch because you think you might need a branch later. You know, only branch when you need it. A branch um, is like a puppy. It needs a bit of maintenance and a bit of love and care. So, And um, the other thing about um, Visual Studio 11, there's a few sort of – there's a collection of smallish things that, um, that, that add up when it comes to branching, which kind of fundamentally changes some of the guidance around branching in Visual Studio 11 and Team Foundation Server 11, which is worth, you know, these guys have sat down and thought about and it's worth learning from. So if you've been, if you've been doing, you know, branching and merging and you're comfortable with things up until now, it's worth reading this guidance for Visual Studio 11 because there's a bunch of new features available. For instance, you can, you can now do, um, uh, oh, I've forgotten the name. When you branch without a parent, baseless. Oh. Yeah, baseless merging. You can do, but you know, you can you can do baseless merges um, through the UI now in Visual Studio 11. You can do um, when you and when you do a baseless merge because we've improved a bunch of the um, auto conflict resolution functionalities. Um, mm-hmm. You're much less likely to get conflicts than when you were doing particular auto, you know, baseless merging stuff in the past. So. That kind of changes the picture a bit. This, this, the whole notion of um, being able to, you know, being able to check in build results as part of your uh, build 
uh, into version control, that again changes the branching guidance. You know, should we or should we not have those builds inside or outside of the branch? Well, you should have them outside, but that's something until you've thought about it a bit, you don't know that. And there's a bunch of stuff that just lots of small things that really affect how, how the guidance is. So I'd encourage everyone to go have a reread and we'll, we'll get the guys on the show and we'll do a whole show about it. Cause like I say, there's a bunch of stuff that's changed. that really affects how you think about things. Hey, we're getting close to the show, but there's a couple of a couple of little stories I wanted to uh, touch on. Um, I'll pick uh, one of mine. It's around um, uh, pseudo, sorry, Subod um, Sahoni. He's done a post again. You know, favorite topic of mine. Uh, team Explorer <laughs> everywhere. If you go to tinyurl.com/slash/check-in-java, he's done um, a full post explaining how to use the Team Foundation Server SDK for Java to create um, a check-in policy. Oh. Check-in check policies are bits of code that run client-side as part of the, the check-in process to validate the check-in. Now, you have .NET ones that run you know, for .NET, and um, you can, there's a bunch of ones that ship in the box. There's an, an additional one that ships in the box in Visual Studio 11, which is the check for comments check-in policy. That one's always shipped in the box in Team Explorer everywhere, I might add. Um, but... Uh, Team Explorer everywhere and the Java side because those check you know those checking policies have to run on the client. Um, mm-hmm. So we have a separate implementation of checking policies for the Java-based client, um, and so you have to create a Java-based checking policy. And so um, you know it goes through in depth how to actually create one of those. And there's a bunch of samples in our um, SDK that we ship, but they're not. It's not very discoverable, but that's where you would look to go get them. So he explains all that, explains how to get the samples out and how to build it, and more importantly, how to deploy it, because they're actually deployed as Eclipse plugins. Mm-hmm. And if you've never built an Eclipse, you know, we I've been building Eclipse plugins for over a decade, you know, and so it kind of in the, in all the documentation and things, it's kind of you need to build and deploy this as an Eclipse plugin, full stop. Right. <laughs> it's like cheers. <laughs> Thanks for that. If you don't if you've no idea how to write an Eclipse plugin and you've never done that before, then he goes into a bit more detail on that side as well. So it's worth taking a look at. Nice, nice. Uh, yeah, the last one that I, the last two things that I wanted to talk about were mm. uh, a, a cool u- utility for the Team Foundation service. And that's the credential viewer. Now, I don't really know a lot about how the credentials work. And, you know, I want to pick your brain on that, Martin. But, huh. uh, you know, this utility from Martin Hinselwood, and you can get this at tinyurl, credential viewer. That's C-R-E-D-E-N-T-I-A-L, viewer, V-I-E-W-E-R. And this is a utility that, uh, you know, the Team Foundation service uses the um, – Azure control. Yeah, it uses the, yeah, it uses the um, authentication service in, in Azure right. XTS. Um, for when that's what we use to, to get our credentials from, the Azure credentials. Now, what that is, it's actually, um, it's the Team Foundation service, service credential viewer. <laughs> it's even worse. Maybe we should change. So <laughs> what a service credential is, it's a you can think of it so normally when you authenticate with with tfs you know team foundation service or um with acs uh you use a federated internet identity so we use live ids at the moment um in the team foundation service preview but we could actually enable it to um you know support facebook or uh you know google or um oauth or you know um, what's it called um federated active directory stuff as well you know any 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 federated internet identity service acs supports we could use as our identity provider just so happens we use live ID at the minute 
this service credentials is another is another form of identity that's supported um and it's it's designed to as like a like you would use a network account in you know in active directory right service and it's designed for those sorts of scenarios for example when you have an on-premise build server um today when you install that on-premise build server and point it at the Team Foundation Service Preview account, mm-hmm. it actually goes to the account and requests a service credential. And then it uses that service credential to authenticate with TFS. So it's not it's not authentic it's authenticating as as it, as the build right. service. It's not authenticating as you, the user, wow. who said this build server has got permission to talk to the build service. So there's a, there's a you know, distinct difference there. Um, so it actually runs with a reduced set of permissions based on, um, you know, based on what you've given to your build service users. So uh, that's how, that's what service credentials are today used for. How they're implemented is actually, um, it's a username password pair uh, mm-hmm. that, that, that you get created and you can actually use those, you know, uh, you, you don't have to just use those, uh, the service credentials as um, uh, as a build service. You know, you could actually use them for other things. You could log on with that account. Um, now, it creates a new credential for you. It's a, you know, I mean, it's a separate credential that's creating. You're not connecting as a particular person or impersonating that person. You can you're connecting as this credential itself. So, be be there be dragons, but mm-hmm. um, it, it's interesting. We you could actually use that service credential, for example. Um, if you were on, if you were SSH'd over to a Solaris machine, and then from that Solaris machine you wanted to talk to Team Foundation Service Preview using the command line client, well, mm-hmm. you can't today because to authenticate we'd have to pop up a web browser to if you were federated authentication, <laughs> and that's not going to work mainly because you can't because you're on a terminal window. Um, right. You could actually use a service credential if you wanted, and use that, you know, use it uh, and use that as the username and password, and actually get in from that Solaris box. So um, yeah, there's a bunch of users, and I was actually amazed that Martin had put this together. I didn't. Re- we, we don't have UI in the in the in the Team Foundation service preview around creating service credentials yet. That's one of the things that's down the backlog. Um, mm-hmm. So it's you know we have a bit with some code kicking around there, and he's obviously figured out that we support this and figured out that it exists and just gone ahead and built it. And I'm like, cool. Good on you. Well, well done to mine. That's amazing little thing he's done there. Ah, so cool. So if you're like writing, if you're into the TFS API and you're writing client yeah. code to do stuff to writing your own, you know, yep. uh, browser, that's where this thing would really come in handy. Yep, exactly. Got it. Got it. Cool. Now we're also doing some other work there around federated authentication, which we're we're not talking about yet. But this is definitely, you know, if you wanted to build a little application that talked to your your Team Foundation Service Preview account using the API, and you mm-hmm. did. You know, you wanted to hard code some credentials in, then this would be the way to go. Ah, good. So the, the next thing that Martin did, uh, and actually I could probably using his credential viewer, <laughs> but he uh, created a field annotator. Mm. And what this is, it's kind of like a, you know, when you look at, uh, at least in my mind, as I think about this, you know, you got the who did this, the blame tool and source code, you know, who made this change where um, in a given source file. Well, this is kind of like at the TFS field level. Uh, when you look at changes to TFS, and I, I do this all the time, you know, you look at a work item and you see it's changed and you go in and, and look at the history and you see all these different history things. And uh, this description changed and, you know, this estimated hours changed. And, 
you have to really kind of scroll through the list to, to find the different changes. And especially if you did them at different times, you know, if you went and changed the, uh, you know, estimated hours 15 times, well, then you have to scroll through this list and look for all of those different changes. Well, the worst one is when you change the estimated hours 15 times, but you, you, you change something else one time. It, figuring out when that field change is very hard, you know, because it's, it's buried in the detail kind of thing. Right, right. And so what he, do, he did is he wrote a utility uh, that is a field level history. Hmm. You know, and that's the way I kind of look at that. And you can you know, pick the field that you're interested for the work item, and you know you uh, you connect to the the TFS server, and it works for uh, TFS 2010 and, and uh, TFS 11. Uh, you pick your work item, and you pick the field, and it gives you the history for that field and just that field, both the values and the date changes, and, and who made that change. So I thought that utility was was pretty neat. Yeah, it's very. Uh, it's actually really useful. We don't, yeah, it really is, because that is totally buried in RUI at the minute, isn't it? We, we, we changed the history control a bit in uh, Visual Studio 11 to separate out discussions from field changes. So you, you can just see the history view as to the ones where people have left a comment about the change that they were making. But what we don't do is an easy way of filtering the, the full view and say, hey, for this full view of history of every single field that ever changed ever, just show me this field. We don't do that at all. So that's a that's a handy little utility that Martin's put together there. Absolutely. Cool. That's why I love, love it when you guys release the APIs and support oh, yeah. the APIs oh, yeah. and it's stuff, same, you know. Yeah, it's the same API that we use to build the product, so it is. It yep. Super. Hey, well, Greg, we've got a we've we've just about got a show there. Hopefully this one's recorded properly. <laughs> <laughs> so fingers crossed. If you're hearing this. Uh, then everything's worked and that's fantastic so uh, yeah thanks for your time again Greg and thanks everybody for listening we'll see you next time on Radio TFS